tonight on my knees with my hands lifted on oh god the battle belongs to you and every fear i lay at your feet and i'll sing through the night oh god the battle belongs to you everybody it's so good to see you how is everybody you guys good good morning good to see you all hey we're gonna stand together and just uh, find some people around you catch up with them real quick say hey and see if they did anything super awesome this <coughs> weekend I sang at water super awesome. <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, but I just love Sunday mornings. It's such a good time for us to come together and just be able to be a community of believers who are focusing our minds and our hearts on Jesus. So today, we have an invitation to come to him, to come before him, to worship him. So we just invite you to sing this song with us. This is King of My Heart, and it's just 
our words as we sing them are an invitation for us to say, God, I want to put my heart uh, towards you. I want my heart to be inclined towards you. I want you to be the king of my life. So we just invite you to sing this with us.
kids to come to the corner through third grade. So kids, come on up. Dear God, thank you for the day that we can all be here at church, and thank you that it's Father's Day. Thank you for creating this wonderful world, and please help the people that are sick and hurt, and thank you for these special people in the world, and we love you so much. Amen. Man, that's awesome. That's a great prayer. <laughs> I'm going to ask Rowan to come up and do the congregational prayer more often. <laughs> oh, good morning, uh, and yeah, happy Father's Day to you who are fathers. We're grateful. Um, hopefully, you've been able to be grateful for a father in your life, a grandfather, someone who's maybe modeled what a father should be. Ultimately, today, uh, we're grateful for our Father in Heaven. Um, a God who is perfect, who loves us perfectly, and will never let us go. So 
I want to wish you a happy Father's Day in, in light of our Father in heaven. Also, a celebration today of June, Juneteenth. So we celebrate that in light of uh, continuing to work towards a world where we're reconciled with one another. God in his kingdom is bringing people together. And so uh, may this be a day where we can continue to keep thinking about how we bring relationships together instead of finding more ways where we can tear them apart. Amen? Um, got a number of announcements for you this morning. A couple things going on that I want to make you aware of. Uh, how many of you saw that nice table out front with a lot of really good goodies? Yeah, wow, that's good goodies. Right, so that is a bake sale going on for our Ireland trip that's going to be taking place in the first week of October. We've got a group that's heading out to Ireland to go spend some time with Luke and Kelsey Carrig, their family, their missionaries of our community. They're actually going to be in town here uh, come the end of July into a little bit of August, but uh, going to go support their ministry in Ireland. And so if you buy baked goods, you help support that trip. So um, ahead of time, thank you for diving in. So if you don't have something for dinner this afternoon, now you do. I can eat baked goods all day long. So <laughs> um, we also celebrate the fact that our Honduras trip, we, we just had a small team head down to Honduras. Norlin's back, I see him there. So uh, he and a few other guys went and they did some more work on the school. Um, we were able to do that, come back safely. So we praise God for the work that um, they were able to do. This coming week already, we have a group of 18 students and four leaders uh, from student ministries that have left for Colorado Challenge. Um, that is basically a one-week um, camp in the mountains where they're going to be focusing on their faith, their walk with Christ. They're going to be also doing some other cool things like rappelling whitewater rafting and, uh, yeah, fun stuff. So pray everyone comes home safe and sound. Uh, we also this week, Student Ministries is really busy this week, um, have another eight students and two leaders uh, later on in the week heading down to Roseland, which is the south side of Chicago. Um, we partnered with church uh, down there for many, many years um, just to help that church out. Um, that's my neck of the woods, so uh, they actually... A lot of years, they stayed at Munster Christian Reformed Church, where I was baptized. So, uh, no, it's, it's cool to have that team. So, 26 youth, six leaders over this week, really spending, investing 24-7 of, of their life um, into the lives of our students. And then uh, one more announcement for us this morning. Katie Klosterman and I, we led a, a small group last summer. And we're going to lead another one for eight weeks, and you can kind of see those weeks up there, the dates. Um, but it's really a conversation when I was uh, journeying with my friends. They used to be called the Table Network. It's now Lark. Um, but the whole mission of Lark is how do we help the church recover our identity of a people that are, uh, I mean, you can read it, the church's identity and ministry as a liberated people, Right? who are focused on the indiscriminate grace of God. So uh, we would say around here at Watershed, it's, it's really focusing on the freedom, the friendship, and the rest found in the finished work of Jesus. So we're going to have eight times where we get together. Uh, we're going to be outside at her house some. We move, hopefully, in like a week. So we might be outside by our house a little. Um, but just relax conversations around grace and the impact of what the good news of Jesus really is on our lives. So if you're interested in that, contact me. Uh, you see my email up there, Aaron at Hardawike, or my cell, 616-638-1510. And on that note, uh, let's go to our God in prayer. God, we thank you uh, so much that you're good. Lord, uh, that you are our one true Father. That in you we see what it looks like to be kind and gracious and compassionate. In you we see a commitment that never fails. In you we see a mercy, Lord, that oftentimes we need. We need you to hold back sometimes what we deserve for some of our mistakes or our missteps. Lord, in you we see wisdom and truth. In you, Father, we see a parent 
Lord, and maybe we've seen this parent in our own fathers. Maybe we've seen this parent in our, in, in our mothers. Maybe we've seen it, Lord, in our grandparents. But we see a, a parent who is, who is so committed to the best in us that even when we're at our worst, Lord, you just, there's never a no. You're always for us. You're always fighting for us. You're always rooting us on, cheering us on. So Father, this morning, may we all just be, let that reality of who you are rest in us. So that whether we are parents or friends, whether we're aunts and uncles, whether we're just, Lord, a kid to our parents or, or, or to a grandkid to our grandparents, uh, that we can see more of who you are and maybe we can become a little bit more like you in how we live. Father, today as we celebrate as a nation Juneteenth, and God, it, it, it's a day where we begin to celebrate some restoration. God, when we've looked at a whole people group and community as something less based on the color of skin, God, based on prejudice or ideas or we've been driven by our own advancement and, Lord, an unwillingness to see the other as one of us. God, may we remember always that you're a God that reconciles people together. That our identity is in you. That there is no slave or free. There is no Jew, no Gentile. There is no barbarian or Scythian. There's no male or female. Only one, only us in you, Christ Jesus. So God, may we see your image in others today. Lord, may we see your goodness, your grace, your life in the eyes of another. Lord, continue to, to shape the way we see others by how you see us. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be involved in your mission and your ministry as we think about Ireland, as we celebrate um, work in Honduras and in the continued work of this school and Jake and Rachel, we support down there. Lord, Luke and Kelsey over in Ireland, God, thank you that um, we as a people here in West Michigan can be part of work going beyond us. Stuff, Lord, that we, we may never even see or touch, we may only hear about, but Lord, that we get to be somewhat involved when we, we, we give of the tithes that you've blessed us with, when we support the ministries here, Lord, um, when we, we pray. God, so thank you for the work that takes place. God, we pray for the Roseland trip as they're going to be getting their hands on some things, those eight students and a couple leaders. God, may they be just a light in that community. May they also receive what the Roseland community has to offer them. May they come back learning as much as they go ready to give. Lord, for Colorado Challenge and the students that are going to be hanging out there, man, they're going to be doing some amazing and fun things and they're literally going to be on a mountaintop. But Lord, help them see that life is lived in the mountain and the valley. And that the God who is going to be there with them and is there with them is in, is in and with them in every step of life. Whether it's in the celebrations and the joys or the heartaches and the hurts. And God, remind us of all of that. All of us carry different things here this morning. Some of us are, are excited. Some of us come with heavy hearts. God, and today I just thank you. I thank you that you're willing to meet all of us where we are. That you're willing to celebrate with us. And you're willing to weep with us. And in all of it, you continue to give us your strength. And you continue to promise, promise your peace. So Lord, may your peace ground us and anchor us today. And Father, as we come into your word, as we get ready as well today to, to celebrate communion, the word and sacrament, may we again be reminded of who you are, your goodness, your life, your truth, your wisdom, and your ways. So teach us, Holy Spirit, you who are present with us, lead us and guide us in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's children said, amen.
So this summer, we're continuing in our series on everyday wisdom, right? We're, we're wrestling with what does it look like to have wisdom every day? It's uh, wrestling with this thing that we might call common sense, that sometimes do we think it's all that common anymore? Uh, <laughs> right? There's two commons that I grew up with, common sense and common courtesy, that seem like in our communities are not so common anymore, Amen. Right? It gets a little frustrating to see, and I think that's been at some of the heart of, as pastors, as we were kind of thinking through this summer series of going, man, we believe in a God who has not only rescued the world, but a God who continues to pour his wisdom and his ways into it, right? That which is common to God, that which is good and gifted to us, he wants his wisdom and his life poured out to us. He doesn't want us caught in the ways of what we talked about last week, the fall, Right? We talked about, I put this graphic up, this will show up from time to time throughout this whole series. But that Proverbs and wisdom are set, we always got to think about this, this series in light of God's grander story. Right? That we're moving from being people who are created in him, by him, for him. We were created in perfection. We, were, we, we know that the world, the way it was created, was the way it was supposed to be. And that Christ came in the new creation, and it will return. It will be the way it's supposed to be again. But somewhere in the middle of that is our story, right? Somewhere in the middle of that, we deal with the fall. Last week, we talked about foolishness, right? Wisdom is walking with God, and in light of God, foolishness is saying, I'm not going to honor God. I'm going to do it my own way. I know better. La, 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 right? I don't have to listen. Or how about the arrogant, the Dos Equis guy, right? I had that picture up. I spout off some wonderful wisdom, and not often does it fall on, you know, like, you should gather my great, and nobody ever listens, though, right? Or, or gullibility. How many of you ever tried the gullibility test? Stick the dollar in? Wow, yeah. It's better with graphics. I know. <laughs> but somewhere in the middle of creation and new creation, we have our story, right? We have foolishness. We have wisdom. Redemption, what God has done and what he's doing in our lives today is he's trying to invite us into the way it was meant to be in creation and it will be in God's new creation, right? That God hasn't given up on us. He's given us his spirit and he's leading us into that life. Now, over these next two weeks, this week and next, we're going to be talking about a paradox. And a paradox of how we get wisdom. Right? So paradox, um, instead of trying to explain it and take three minutes to do it, I'm going to let BYU's business school explain it for us in a video. So you didn't realize this this morning, but I'm going to take you to business school on what paradox is. So enjoy the video. brought to you by the Marriott School of Business and the Center for Teaching and Learning at Brigham Young University. Developing a Paradox Mindset Effective strategists embrace paradox in their businesses. A paradox, quite simply, captures two realities or imperatives that seem like they cannot coexist at the same time. It appears on the surface that embracing and pursuing one will inevitably hamper the other. In paradox language, we call the ends of the paradox the poles, and we wrestle with the pressure to push towards both poles at the same time. Leaders constantly face paradoxes in business. For example, should we embrace change or stability within the company? Should we customize our products and services to local environments, or should we create standardized global products and services? Should we invest in R&D and innovation, or in improving our operational efficiency? Should we obey current regulations or challenge them? Experienced business leaders understand that pursuing any one of these paradox poles could lead us to sacrifice the other. Most people prefer clarity, so it can be tempting to simply choose one pole of the paradox and put all of our eggs in that basket. If we choose one end of a paradox, then we can tell our people what we want them to do, and they can come to work each day focused on that vision. They can see and meet their objectives and earn their pay in a clear and unambiguous work environment. The problem, of course, is that choosing one pole of the paradox leaves us open to the downsides of the other pole. Companies that fully embrace change may burn out their employees and destroy their human capital resources. But companies that fully embrace stability may be unable to adapt to the rapidly shifting external environment. 
Companies that fully embrace efficiency may increase current profits, but may be unable to develop new products for the future, while companies that fully embrace innovation may be unable to create sufficient cash flows in the present. A paradox mindset pushes us to shift from an either-or mentality to a both-and mentality. Rather than accepting the apparent trade-offs between the different poles of the paradox, we challenge them and seek to embrace them. Rather than making high-level decisions about which pole of the paradox to embrace, we develop more nuanced decisions that help us to understand when to embrace one or the other pole. For example, rather than always emphasizing innovation over production, or always production over innovation, we may develop a richer approach. We may allow our innovation to suffer at times when we need to generate more cash, but allow our production to suffer at times when we sense that the market may be shifting and we need to be sure that we are ready. Thus, rather than emphasizing which pole to emphasize overall, we learn to embrace both poles simultaneously and occasionally allow our organizations to drift slightly towards one side or the other. Great strategists learn how to embrace the both ands of business. They get uncomfortable when the pathway seems too simple and too straightforward, and they look carefully for the embedded paradoxes that they might be ignoring. They seek to find these paradoxes, clearly define the opposing poles of these paradoxes, and then reprogram their brains to capture the benefits of both ends of the paradox at the same time. All right. Paradox. You didn't realize you were going to, you know, Vanderveen's University here this morning on business. No, paradox. The, the ability, the both and. When, when we live with that mindset in life, it creates tensions, though. And how many of us like tension? No, no, we don't, right? We want to give to one or the other. Now, the thing about wisdom, though, and what we're going to hear now in Proverbs 2 is this, is God's going to actually invite us into a both-and mentality, a paradox. We're going to see a paradox of what it means to get wisdom, how we go about acquiring. So Proverbs 2, I want to invite you this morning to dive in with me to the scriptures, starting in verse 1. Let's hear God's word. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Right? So that's one side of the paradox. You got to go get it. <laughs> what? Verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. So wait a second, I got to go get something that only God gives. Enter the tension, right? For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you'll understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will be your guard. So God's word this morning invites us as we want wisdom, if we're going to be people who pursue how God created the world, if we're going to fear the Lord, if we're going to trust him, today we've got to go get it. The first half of chapter 2 this morning says, a father talking to a son is saying, hey, if you want it, you got to put the effort in. As I was thinking about that this morning, I thought about this. How many times in life we've done something that you know, you're proud of at the end of it, right? It was worth the effort, but it wasn't always easy. So I'm going to ask you just over the next few minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share an illustration of what it looked like for me but I'm going to invite you to participate in the message. I want you to, in just a moment, I'm going to ask, what has been worth it in your life? Worth the pursuit, worth the energy, worth the investment, right? Even though it may not have been easy, right? So one or two word answer, I'm going to invite you to shout them out in just a minute. But I'm going to share an example for you. Up behind the communion table, I have one of my 
golf staff bags, right? These are the professional bags. Now, you can go buy them. You see them all, all over the place. Um, but, you know, I, I did get my name on one. And I did. Like, I was super proud. When I became a golf professional, I worked hard to become a scratch golfer. And not only become a scratch golfer, but in becoming a scratch golfer, also to have people to pay me to teach them how to play the game. And that was the moment in time when I felt like I have arrived. When I felt like it was time I can carry around one of these really heavy golf bags. Which, by the way, don't ever walk with one of these. This is why they have caddies, right? The professionals go, hey, carry my bag. And the thing's like 10 pounds just to begin with, right? But it was that point in time when I was like, okay, people are paying me to learn how to play the game. I feel like I've arrived. I've put in the work, the effort. I've put in hours upon hours. I played stupid little games on the, on the driving range to, to hit nine different types of ball flights. And, you know, I, it was crazy the amount of work that went into it. But when I was done, I felt like I had arrived. As a little kid who grew up, man, ten, my, my first job was on a farm, but then when I was 10, my first like real, real job was, was on a golf course, right? So, so it's been a part of my life. But notice something today. Y'all see any golf clubs in here? No. Right now, on average, I might play one round of golf a summer, a season. Uh, I don't want to put in the work to feel like I can carry this bag. Which, by the way, as a professional, I've seen many who have this bag, kind of bag, you know, with their golf clubs, and I think the, the, the bag plays better than they do. Right? So, so you can carry it, <laughs> but there's something about the work, right? I, I was proud when I actually got to that place. And today, I know I'm not going to put the work in that's necessary. Maybe one day, Otherwise, my clubs are in another bag, right? Same thing with wisdom, right? Is it worth the effort? Is it worth the work? I just wonder again, I, I, like, like I said, was going to ask, so I'll ask. What was, what's been something that's been worth the effort in your life? Shout it out. Parenthood, marriage, all right. <laughs> what else? School? Going back to school, yeah. Not just going through school, going back. What else is worth it? Changing jobs. Mowing the lawn. Attaboy, Sam. I'm with you. You stripe it? Uh huh. <laughs> Say that again. Vocation, yep. Right. Having kids. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Right, we think about what does it instill in us, right? There's that, there's that inner sense of pride, isn't there? Of achievement. God created us as co-creators in life. To participate in life. To, to join in things that he's gifted us in. To, to join in the goodness of life. Right? God actually designed us to do things like work. By the way, the misery of work is a result of the fall. Just FYI. But working at something was never meant to be something bad. It was, it's worth the effort. And wisdom, much the same, is worth the effort. Here's a father. In the Proverbs, we see the illustration, the image that's used is one of a father leading a son. Right? A parent talking to a child saying, Hey, listen, if you want to know what life is life, it, it, it's wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord. It's learn to walk with God. But here's the deal. You're going to have to put effort in. You're going to have to put your energy in. If you don't, if you just sit around, it's not just going to magically appear. One of the ways we can see this throughout our text, and I entitled the slide, Go Get It, right? Because it sums up much of what the Hebrew says. There's eight words, eight verbs, in just four verses. Listen to these. Accept. Store up, turning your ear, so turn your ear, apply your heart, right? Put your spirit into it, cry aloud for it, look for it as you're looking for searching for silver, search for it, right? All of these things are active, they're involved. 
There's no way I could have ever got that name on my bag if I didn't go and practice. Not just play. By the way, as a golf professional, let me remind you of this. You're not going to improve by just getting on the golf course and playing 18 holes. That's not how you're going to improve. It takes significant discipline. But that's true of any of our lives, right? If we're going to be craftsmen, if we're going to be, if we're going to be committed to our vocation, if we're going to commit to changing that job, if we're going to commit to going back to school, those things take the effort, the energy. Here's a father saying, son, you got to go after it. Well, guess what? Like other fathers, myself included, we like to beat a dead horse sometimes. Amen? How many of you has your dad ever beat a dead horse? Like, dad, you explained it. You don't need to say anymore. Well, guess what? <laughs> this, I've seen some laughter, so that's good. <laughs> well, same is true of another, this father here in Proverbs. Proverbs 4 continues on. Listen, my sons. So this is another word. Listen, my sons, to a father instruction. Pay attention. Gain understanding. And I'll give you sound learning so that you do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you'll live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't forsake wisdom and she'll protect you. Love her and she'll watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her. Cherish her. And she will exalt you. Embrace her. She'll honor you. She'll give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Right, there's some more verbs that come up. There's actually nine more words. Right? In, in Proverbs 2, we have eight. Proverbs 4, now we have nine more unique Hebrew words. Now, let me, let me just give you a, a brief little, again, you're coming to eight, Vanderveen University here for a moment. <laughs> right? In Hebrew, a lot of times they, they can use one word to say what it takes three, four, maybe sometimes five words in English to say. Right? They can say multiple ideas, they can take multiple ideas and wrap them into one word. So, by the way, if they're using one word and, and it could equal out to three to five, maybe, and now they're using 17, they're like saying to us in 50 different ways, get after it. It's on you. This side of the paradox, it's on you. Listen. Right? Turn your ear, but another way of thinking about it, you have to listen, and listen is an active role. Don't forsake it. Right? There's some, some times where we're like, man, it's just easier. Say, no, don't forsake it. Take hold of it. Keep it. Four times. Go get it. <laughs> the word in Hebrew, forget, also means buy it if you have to. <laughs> right? Do anything you can to acquire it. We see love it, cherish it, embrace it, right? Actually have a relationship with wisdom. How do we do that? Well, guess what? As us as Christians throughout this whole series, I've said it and I'm going to keep saying it. Wisdom is the embodiment, is Jesus. Jesus is the fullness. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, right away, Jesus is the power and the wisdom of God. And we have the ability to know him, to love him, to cherish him and embrace him because God has put his very presence and wisdom in us by his Holy Spirit. Right? We dive in, we hold on. Later, Paul would say this in Philippians about the going after and getting wisdom. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've already and always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right? Continue to work it out. This is on you. It's on me. Nobody can do it for us. However, the other side of the paradox comes back in. This other side we'll lean into more next week. Right? We have to go after only what God can give. Paul says, for it is God who works in you 
to will and to act in order to fill, fulfill his good purpose. But in order, as we watched the BYU business video, right, developing a paradox mindset, is saying that, listen, I have to learn what it means to embrace my responsibility, my part in this relationship with God. The good news that we'll hear again next week is that we're only coming to God truly with an empty plate. So often we fill our plate with so many things. Our, the biggest part of our role is actually just clearing the plate off so God can fill it. What does this look like? Maybe lived out a little bit more tangibly. For one, read scripture, folks. It's great that you're here and, and you see the last one, participate in worship, right? And, and you hear of the scripture from others, right? You have trusted, you find trusted counsel and voices. That's wonderful. But unless we actually develop a relationship with God through his word, it doesn't really truly become a part of us. And maybe that reads, starts by reading a devotional. Maybe it, it starts with a goal of, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. Maybe it's saying, you know what, I just want to make it through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, the four stories about Jesus in a year. Maybe I just want to make it through John in a year. I don't care how. Because this isn't about earning your salvation. It's not about making God happy with you. It's about diving into the relationship with him and saying, I've got to have part of this relationship. It's a two-way street. So do you read scripture? I wonder who are some trusted voices for you? Throughout this series, we put up on our Heart Awake website. If you go under the resources, we, we have a, a devotional, God's Wisdom for, for Navigating Life by Tim Keller. He's a trusted pastor that us three as pastors, um, and Darwin includes, so you know, four pastors, we, we go, hey, he's a trusted voice you can listen to. He's a great one to lean on. We gave another one, Paul David Tripp. He does a whole series through the Proverbs. There's videos there. These are voices that we go, hey, listen. Listen to them. Spiritual fathers for me, Henry Nowen, Brennan Manning, N.T. Wright. These are spiritual fathers for me. I've never met them. I'll never meet some of them until I'm, I, I get on the other side of glory. <laughs> but the reality is they poured life and energy and time not knowing it into me. Who are those voices? Who are the people in your life then who model wise Christ-like behavior? How can you be in relationship with them? How can you learn from them? How can you talk to them about what life looks like and ask them questions? How, how can they maybe hold you accountable? Sometimes we need accountability in our lives as we seek to live into God's wisdom in the way God intended life to be. Who could be a trusted person where you can, you can lean into and you go, hey, listen, I want to I rub elbows with you. Sometimes that person will find you. More often than not, though, it takes us looking for that person and saying, hey, would you be willing to spend some time with me? And my guess is if they're a wise Christ-like person, they're waiting for you to ask. They just didn't know it was you who needed it. Right? Finding people. Pray. Practice silence. This week in one of my devotionals, I read from Mother Teresa, and she just said this about silence, that in silence, we're actually preparing space for God to speak. And if we don't have silence, it's going to kill our, our it, it will just kill our prayer life because all we're going to ever do is just keep pouring stuff out to God and not give any space to actually listen to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you, God's voice waiting to speak. So you can cultivate some space for silence. Where you, I'm actually going to give you permission to slow down in your life. But by the way, it ends up being a little harder than what it seems. Amen? To actually slow down and wipe the plate clean. So not only then do we maybe practice silence, it's being attentive. Part of being responsible and, and looking for wisdom and engaging wisdom to pay attention to what's foolish and what's not is actually just to be aware of it, to be intentional about how you live, to be attentive to what's going around you in life, not just going through life oblivious. I go, whatever, as we talked about last week. Finally, 
As I mentioned, one of the ways we can do that is participating in worship. Right? We can let God speak through song. We can let God speak to us through prayer. We can let God speak through his, his message for, through, through those who've prepared and engaged the word to help bring that word to us. Right? This morning, we can participate in communion. Right? That's one of the beauties in communion is we get up around here. And I love that rhythm, that peace. I grew up in a church where we brought it to you. And that's fine. There's no right or wrong way. But I love that as we celebrate communion here at Watershed, that there's an element of we actually have to get up and go. Right? God invites us to his table. God says, come on down, right? And no, it's not the price is right. <laughs> right? God's saying, I want you at my table. I came to you <laughs> to bring you in. But much like wisdom, he says, you still got to come. Come to me. And come to me even if you're weary and heavy laden. But I promise you this, I will give you rest. Come to me, my beloved child. Right, in communion we remember that Christ came to us. And Christ in love not only lived the life we could not live, died a death that we could never paid a price and made a sacrifice we could never accomplish. And in defeating death, raised us to life. So we can have wisdom, we can learn, we can grow because he's raised us to life. In him, we live and move and have our being. That's what we remember this morning. In him, we're joined with him and we're with one another. We participate in life together and in him, we have our hope. This is the good news for us. Amen? I want to invite those who are serving this morning as well as the worship team to come up as we prepare to bring the elements. This morning, uh, we'll have two stations as we've been doing. I want to invite you to kind of walk around the inside of the tables, down and then around the outside. We're also going to have a station upstairs too. Um, uh, Oftentimes we have those who are coming downstairs have to deal with all kinds of other steps and stuff too. So <laughs> uh, we will bring some elements up as well. Um, but as you receive these elements, say this is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Right? This is what God has done for each of us out of his goodness and grace. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body given for you. As often as you do this, you take part in this. Do this in remembrance of me. In the manner, same manner, same spirit, he said, this cup, it's a new promise, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In many churches we hear these words, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. And being a person of God is being one of his creation, loved, reconciled, and restored by Jesus. That's what it means to be a person of God. These are God's gifts for all of us in Christ. Let me pray, and then I'll invite us forward. Lord, as we get prepared in our own hearts, Lord, in our own minds to participate, Lord, help us remember what you have done for us. Remember that in you is forgiveness. Lord, that we're reminded that you give us forgiveness. Lord, we all need that this morning. In you, there's hope and new life. We all need to be nourished in that. So Lord, as we come forward, may that be our work. But God, as we come forward as well, Lord, we're coming forward to receive your work.
So work through your spirit in us. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And all God's children say, amen. Come down closer to the center and out and around. And I will say this, come for all things are now ready. you to sing this one with us together.
When I talk to couples that are getting ready to be married, my encouragement is this, is don't go 50-50, go 100 and 100. Because here's the deal, at one point in time, your 100 is like 5%. And you need 95 of that 100 from whatever your partner has to bring. The beauty is we're literally married to our God. And most of the time, I'm lucky if I can give 5%, 10%, 15%. But the goodness of God, His 100% is good every time. We set our hearts on Him. But what was at the heart of every part of that song? Is God's going to move. And nothing can ever slay you. Nothing can ever take you. Because our hope is in Him. His 100% is always going to be good for us as we pursue him. That's good news. So in light of that, receive this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine in you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, amen. Go in peace.